Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the show. Finally, huh? Ah, I thought that would never end. Anyway, how's everybody doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. Had a busy day. Always a busy day. You guys all know what this is. This is Casual Friday with Nancy Matz. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host. Hang on, let me get this adjusted. Get your host for the next hour or so. We never know how long it's going to go with Nancy. So I'm saying hour or so. Covering my butt. And I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong. Up and down the state, which means, as I usually usually say, we can get to you no matter where you're at. Not to mention remote readings from our from our staff and mediums. Anyhow, we also have branches in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. If you need help, who's the god? If you're watching from Facebook, please hit that follow button. If, you know, if you like what you see, of course. If you're watching from YouTube, there's a little ghost. I actually saw it last night. There's a little ghost down the bottom right hand corner. And uh, click on that, and that will subscribe you to our videos. We have more than 450 videos sitting over there. Different topics, like, uh, you know, uh, maybe killer bees. Well, that's coming up on Monday. But, I mean, you know, different things. You know, because I'm a journalist, I like to do, like, I don't like it. I mean, spousal abuse, things like that, to make people more aware of what's going on. Okay? So check all that out. If you subscribe, it'll let you know when Nancy and I have a video. See? We're on it. We're on it. Anyway, tonight, interesting topic. Let me, let me do something here. Give me a second. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at messages. It's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty packed night, I think. Um, tonight we're gonna be talking past lives, past lives intruding into this lifetime. Now, I don't know how that works. That's why Nancy's there. Nancy's our expert on this stuff, so I can just say what I think I say. You know. I believe that they can intrude. I mean, there's there's a lot of stories out there of people that have scars on their bodies, scars they can't explain, and when they have a past, when, when they you know when, when they go under when they go under to have to check out their past lives, it turns out they were either ill, there was an operation or something in a past life, or they were injured there, but the scar still remains in this life. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. You guys, good mind. Anyway, I'm going to bring Nancy out. Here we go. Hello. Uh-oh. She's frozen. Are you there? Lost her. Oh, boy. All right, just hang in there. Work with us a little bit here. Try and get her back in. This is so not going to be my day. I think she's frozen. So, okay. I think she's frozen in time. All right, let's have her go out and come back in. Let me text. Have her come back in. It's going to be one of those nights, huh? I got green lights across my internet, so we'll have to go out and come back in because something's going on. 
But anyway, oh yeah, she'll she'll be back in. She got my message. Almost forgot to stamp it. But anyway, yeah, it should be a really fun night talking with Nancy tonight. We'll wait for her to come back in. And uh, we might have to do this by phone. Who knows? This is how things have been going and, you know, live radio. So let me um, move some stuff around in case we got to do this by phone. But uh, I want to welcome you all. Halloween's coming. Is everybody starting to watch spooky movies? I just noticed for anyone that wants to watch Halloween, uh, Halloween ends. It's going to be on Peacock, and it's free. It's free on Peacock. So if you want to watch Halloween Ends, it's there. It's, it's, it's right there for you. Right there for the, for the taking. So Halloween Ends. It's a pretty good movie. It's not what I expected it would be, but, you know, it does put an end to it all. I'll just put it that way. I won't let anything else on, on it. I think she's having trouble with her camera, so let's just wait. It's funny, because she's been in a... She's been like in the green room this whole time for about 20 minutes and it's been going really well. And then, you know, she's gone. Poof, just like that. So what I can talk about right now is, you know, with Halloween coming up at the Advent, haunted places. You know, there's a lot of haunted places. And Sacramento, my area that I live in, I mean, all the, t- all the little towns around where I live have activity. I mean, all you have to do is, I mean, a lot of these t- towns, all you do is walk up and down Main Street and you can feel the thickness in the air, you can feel the, the uh, energy, the ethereal energy. And it's very interesting. Placerville is a good one. Um, Coloma, historical Coloma. All right, let's try this again. Here we go. Uh, oh, no, look at these. Um, well, it was really interesting. I heard nothing. The screen went black. And the next thing I know, it disappeared. Yeah, you were gone. Poof, just like that. Just like that, I think. Oh, really? Why couldn't it have done it? I've been on for half hour. <laughs> I know. I, mean, I was telling them that, that, that you've been sitting in the green room all this time, and then poof, just like that, it went. You know, sometimes it just gets too hard. You kind of <laughs> wonder what what is what the world is about, you know? Well, you've already started without me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sometimes you just got to say, you know, when, when things, even with your car, you know, when things go wrong or your computer crashes or whatever happens, you don't know what the hell it is. Sometimes you just, just gotta throw your hands up in the air and go, what the F? You know? I don't that was so weird. It's like I was on for so long. And then I thought what I want I want everybody to know I found my ha- Halloween shirts and uh, I was telling everybody how Char and I met at the um old Sacramento Cemetery. Yes. And we actually I actually started in ninety-five. Artwork was done in 95, and I got the cup going back that far. Cool. And this is a hot cup of, there you go, 95. I was wondering when I started, remember? Yes. And John Bettencourt passed away in 01, but I think I did it one more year, so I might have gone seven years. But anyway, uh, someone in his family is an artist, and every year after the first year, I think, that young man created this artwork. So I have a shirt on, and there it is. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, those. those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful t-shirt. All city. Ah. And I got the camera in the right direction. There we go. So you because can read it. Dead. See that? Because they're dead. That's why they're on there. They're dead. What's that? Because they're dead. That's why they're on there. <laughs> well, it was really hard doing those. Oh, anybody, you know, oh, Nancy, just take me through the cemetery and tell me stories. Well, guess what? It wasn't going to be that easy. Uh, so John Bettencourt would take me around the hottest day in July. <laughs> we started in July. And, and he would say, just tell me a story. And then I would, okay, tell him, tell, 
tell him a story. And then he would go back and research the Dickens. And he wouldn't let me get off with, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Right. I had to be absolutely right. And it was really a lot of fun because once I got going on it, you know what? These are so expensive. <laughs> I'm bound and determined to wear them, but they are very, very difficult to wear because they fall out real easily. So I may have to do this when you want to talk. <laughs> I will fuss with them a little bit more and then they're going to get thrown out the window. But you know, you pay a lot for something and you go, I'm going to use it until it breaks. Well, cats not chewed it up. <laughs> No one, no one is tossing the garbage to me. So in some ways, I'm going to be kind of stuck doing that. I was so like, when people say that their dog, their dogs do not have a personality or talk to them. Yeah. They're wrong. I can tell you that right now. Oh, I is have, that what we were talking about before I got back on? No, I was talking about something else, but it just oh. occurred to me. Because people, you know, you'll get these people that say, well, it's just a dog. The dog doesn't know what you're doing. Oh, oh, tell me my cats don't know what I'm doing. I've got a medium-sized three-year-old Australian Kelpie who is smarter than I am. And <laughs> on top of it all, I've got a 15-year-old rat terrier who's smarter than I am. And now, she has a nice big roomy crate with a nice mattress in there. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. He's decided that he wants to use her roomy crate. Of course. So for, for the second day in a row, he's gotten in there and he won't move. And she goes to look in there. She's looking at me over her shoulder, like, do something. And I said, <laughs> Rescue I me, Mama. I yeah, I can't reach all the way in there. And her eyes, she was even rolling her eyes looking back at me. And so I thought, okay, so she finally went in there and nudged him, got him to come out. She uh -huh. gets back up on the couch. And I thought, you know, I've got a smaller little crate thing. Maybe that'll work. So I go outside, get the crate, clean it up, bring it in. And I no sooner step through the door and my dog's like totally excited. She knows what it's for. <laughs> Mama, thank like, you. Thank you. You got him at home. Oh, thanks. Mom. Licking me and stuff. Uh -huh. Put the crate down, put a blanket in there. He's in there within like five minutes. <laughs> and she's in her crate looking at him like, yeah, mom, nice job. Nice job. You know? But you can tell what, I mean, I could just tell the look on her face when he was in her crate. And the look uh -huh. she was giving me, because she would oh, look back Mama. over her shoulder at me like, Hey, he's in here. Do something about this. You know. Well, we have the same issues around here with cat beds, and <laughs> and I had a, a and my cat. If I have my hand in the wrong place, he'll jump up. I re mine were wild, and so I'm getting this lined up a little better. Uh, mine were wild, and they were though kittens, six weeks or something. We pick or eight weeks, and so you can't clip those nails. You can't. Right. I've got medicine. I got stuff, you know, and it's like, so this is, what the, <laughs> oh boy, sharpest blades, but these are really smart. And the unfortunate part with me, and I know Char is the same way, is we're very empathic. I pick up, I'm like the biggest bunch in, mm -hmm. in this whole county, state, <laughs> Western hemisphere. My cat look at me like, are you stupid? I'm wanting your attention. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll come toward it and he'll turn around and go, well, I finally got your attention. Okay. Now play with me. <laughs> I'm worn out. Oh my God. Well, that screen is up of mine is I have my two big Tomcats are in an enclosure. It's like, <clears throat> it's, it's like a five foot tall by four foot wide enclosure. Oh my. And It's got these uh, hammocks in the enclosure. Oh, tell and me. So they've got two hammocks and then they've got two, um, Flat places delay and the, the the main flat place delay is right way up high. Uh huh. So uh huh. Two in the morning they'll decide to jump. You know most animals would crawl into the hammock, not cats. So the two in the morning, one of them will decide to jump into the hammock. 
And I think they forget that the hammock will move. So all of a sudden, not only do you hear the jump, boom, all the way to the bottom. <laughs> I can hear that. And, I and then I laugh and I go, well, that's, that, that's two more lives gone. You know, but yeah. Oh, always I love this. Morning, never during the day, always at two, three in the morning. So, so we, the bedroom doors open and, uh, <laughs> Larry gets wakened up very four or four thirty five o'clock, and it's usually the loud one. And he'll look right in his face and go, you know, that Siamese growl. <laughs> oh, we could talk all night. We should oh, plan a night. show just on yeah, people show call animals, people yeah. animals, and how animals communicate. They we'll have people call in with questions yeah. of their animals. Animals do communicate, and and I get a lot of questions on animals. I just uh, within a week ago. Um, this gal is probably at a dog shop, not sure, but, um, she has a terrier, I think. Anyway, I got a call and I was able to tell her exactly where to go. And I didn't know she lived in front of a field. And when they told me the dog was missing, I could just see its back legs in this rump and it was just running as fast as I'm out. I've escaped. Yay. And it just took off. Didn't go very far. Um, they didn't get back to me. It felt like a burr got in his face and his leg. But I seem to be right in dog shows, horse breeders, um, the attitude. And so um, I think it's really fun. We should do a show on animals. Well, you I mean, know you're in trouble when you have Australian Kelpies. And I'm in San Francisco and this guy had his dog. And I said, oh, he looks like a Kelpie. And he goes, ma'am, I would never have a dog that's smarter than I am. <laughs> Did he have a Kelpie and didn't know it? No, he had like a, it was a German Shepherd. Oh, okay. Well, it looked like a Kelpie, but that was this whole thing when he says, well, what do you have? And I said, well, I got two Australian Kelpies. And he says, well, ma'am, I would never have a dog that's smarter than I am. Well, that's not our topic tonight, but, no. okay, we're moving I need, but we can spend a few more minutes at the end talking it's about it. It's the key and we, for the show. Okay. So everybody send a note in if you want us to do animals. Yeah, I'm all for it. Animals I'll show and, the animals. Okay. Animals are very Let's common. talk about this, this thing. I don't know if you heard my spiel when I started you know, the show. One of the things I mentioned when we talk about past lives leaking into, intruding into the life now, these people that wake up, wake up, that are born with um, definite scars on their body or birthmarks. That's one of the things to talk about. That is a past life intrusion. Absolutely. Um, so I gave a, let's start there. I gave, I, I had done this for a while and a gentleman uh, had seen me at the spirit of grace. And he says, you've got interesting talents. Can we try something? And I go, yeah, well, he says, what if I said to you, um, I want to know a past life where I got injured or it killed me. And so we practice on two ladies. Uh, Jill was the one and, um, oh my gosh, my, I'm looking at Jill and we met them at a coffee shop outside and, I was talking to her. All of a sudden I saw, and this is curious because it seems like there was a lot of battles at one time where there was ornaments of swords. You know, like how many centuries did we only use swords? Anyway, I saw her in a military kind of a gown, a uniform, and she was a man. And I saw this big sword go across her stomach into a rib cage and slice her open. And I says, in this lifetime, you have any issues with your torso? And she was six, 5'11", six foot, beautiful woman. Anybody taller than 5'5", five, five to me is beautiful. <laughs> so anyway, she started taking her top off. And, you know, it didn't even occur to me. Dickerson, he, he went, wait a minute. <laughs> we're in the brown side of the coffee table. And she says, you won't believe this. In the angle that I said from one hip bone up from a lower 
right to upper left. She said she was born with intestinal problems and she had to do surgery right away. And she had a huge scar going across her midsection, just like I saw and got, uh, what's it called when all the insides come out when you're cut real deep like that? Disemboweled. Disemboweled. So she was born with this intrusion. I think it's amazing. Amazing. That was one of the things I was going to address, but it was kind of like people don't care so much about that, but they should because our illnesses in this lifetime can and go back to prior times. Uh, I think that we all have issues. The issues I have, a lot of them are uh, hereditary. And so uh, doctors nowadays, two times I was told, uh, you were standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. You stood next to a virus that kicked this in gear. I go, really? And at, in 87, when I was told about my breast cancer, they said, well, you just got the virus. And I didn't believe him. You know, 87, right? My aunt had breast cancer. When I got Graves' disease, the man said the exact same words. We now realize that viruses are causing this and you are at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I went, wow. So does that a past life intrusion? I don't know. Abilities, absolutely. Abilities, are you an artist? Uh, so my granddaughter, um, great-granddaughter is six. And she's showing artistic ability at that age. Well, my father was a commercial artist for Universal Studios, and he taught my mother how to color. Um, well, in, near she was working in the 80s and 90s. It was done with um, Scipio photographs, and then she would put the art the color on it, and she would paint it like a painting. So she had an innate ability to do this. So it goes all the way back to his, uh, my grandmother's mother's mother. Mm -hmm. I, have a, I have some paintings of New York when it was Mossland. Really? Like, let's find that. I do believe there's a, a gift for it, but it has to be triggered by a desire. I am gifted. I can paint. But if I don't pursue it, it's not an intrusion. If you have an ability and you have to, you have to, have to, that's an intrusion. When it's so compelling that you can't get away with it. How many ladies, have, gentlemen, have you said, when I retire, I'll move by the ocean? Really? My sister's that way. My middle sister, she can do nothing but live by the water. She has me near water, 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 water. Me? Uh-uh. Don't like me that cold. I'm a mountain person. I've lived most of my life inland or on dirt that's up a mountain. I don't care for water. Where does that come from? How can we have one? Well, I never path life regressed my sister, Bonnie. Maybe she had a life near water. What doesn't mean she was a pirate. Doesn't mean she rode a ship. It just means that she loved the ocean. Maybe she was in Greek or Rome and they had the ocean right next to her. Right. Got it. For me at cowboy, my mother's grandma's side of the family, cowboys and Indians. I probably loved it. In fact, I saw a past life of me, um, in Tucson, Arizona, Sierra Vista area. And I uh, was a youth, a young man. And my husband, we moved there. He was walking around with me and he stood there real quiet. All of a sudden he says, we met here. I go, what? <laughs> you know, didn't get it. Didn't get it. He says, I just had a feeling we've been here before together. Maybe it was my, maybe as I saw my youth, maybe he was my best friend or father. Maybe he was a woman. I was a man who knows. But the vision I had, and all of you that are very intuitive, and I mentioned seeing something, relax and put your mind to me and see if you can see it. So I'm seeing myself get back here. Uh, I'm on the horse, 
and I'm riding a brown horse, English, not a Western saddle with a horn. I have jeans on. I don't show if the, uh, they had a darker blue at one time. I don't know if they're really dirty, but I can't see it dark blue. I have a, a plaid shirt on brown and beiges and I'm a skinny guy, a kid. It looks like a teenager. I'm really small. If I'm a girl, I'm 10 years old. If I'm a boy, I could be up to 16, 17 and be just not muscled up. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. In this lifetime, I do and did ride horses competitively. I didn't just trot around. I was, get me fast, get me going. I don't do anything on the easy side. And I loved it, but I loved running more. So, um, so I passed that. So that was a compulsion. I had to run. When I got into it, I gave up the horse because I had to run. And that goes to a past life regression that I had for the fun of it. I think it was 85, 86. And, didn't put any, and it was a lifetime where I ran a lot. So I think that intrusion, it gave me the idea that I wanted to run. The intrusion, not negative. This is not negative stuff always. I'm going to talk about something real negative here. Um, it's a desire and a hobby or a love of horses, love of running. And I've been athletic all my life. Does that mean my aunt, my grandmother, who we all resemble the Indian side, does that mean um, that we all inherited the same thing? No, absolutely not. My mother, um, I said my mother, it's my grandmother, my mother's mother. My mother looked like the English side. She was a little tiny, little tiny thing. No, my grandmother's 5'7". She broad, <laughs> bigger. I'm medium bone. She was medium bone, bigger woman. I, I was lucky to reach 5'5". Five, five. Now I'm a little shorter because of aging, but I find that really curious. So people, women called me up and they go, well, or men too, mostly women called me up and said, I want passion. I want a career. I want to do something of love. And we oftentimes look too hard at 65 for the rest of your life. You should do something. I have to say just because tapped wow. into it. Right. Um, tapped into those things that we love because as a youth and a young person, we'll take up hobbies, photography. You could do that, um, you know, bicycling along the ocean or the mountains. You know, there's a lot of things you could do. Help people, volunteer at the church, volunteer at the centers for handicap or whatever. Whatever feeds your soul, you need to get into that. And that's why I left the company after 24 years. I got into this to try to figure out why bad things happen to good people after my divorce the cancer and then the divorce. And then I got into this. So everybody knows I've been doing this for 32 years. And I, I would, you would think at 74, I would want to quit. But every time I have one of those lessons uh, sessions, I go like tonight, I'm going to talk about, I call them head turners. I think, Oh my gosh, I, I can't stop. Because if as long as I can talk and help people, I should, I should continue. And I have eight books, so I need to continue. Um, got a good bill of sale from, from my doc says, you're, you're good. I said, am I going to meet 90? And he said, yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, so it, where's that wood, everybody? <laughs> you know, uh, so it was a good feeling. You can relax and keep going type of thing. Uh, trying to talk, Shara uh, and I have been talking about getting on the road doing something. And so that's kind of like in the plan, 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 UFO, ghost investigation, travel log, all kinds of things could be happening next five years. And so just stay think tuned. 20 years, if we're still on the air, I'll have a walker. Nancy will have a walker. And we'll be we'll, we'll both be propped up in front of the camera trying to do shows. <laughs> I tell you, everybody, if you have some something you enjoy, you want to share, you have to do this. 
it's the new way of communicating. I was, I was talking to, this is crazy. I don't want to get off track, everybody. I have a lot to talk about. I have notes here. I got to keep going. <laughs> so let's go and we can have a whole night of talking about YouTube if you want to get into it. But I, if you guys have any questions for Nancy about the topic tonight, mm -hmm. feel free. Okay. We're not doing readings, but we will, you know, anything you're interested in. Like I saw Jerry just posted that her grandson has two uh, large birthmarks. So anything that might oh, be. Let's go there. To what, so, you know, to what we're talking about is fine. So this is curious. My sister, Bonnie, who lives in Seattle on, on an island, um, she, on, she was on Bainbridge. I think she still is. But anyway, when we were younger, I noticed above her ear, she had a, a big nickel-sized mole right there. And I had one in the middle of my chest. The doc said, we need to remove yours. Hers wasn't so black. Mine was pretty dark. And so I had it removed. It was right right smack in the middle of the breastbone. And when I talked to Larry one time, uh, my husband, yes, I married two Larrys, right? Which one are you talking about, Nancy? The, the current husband. We were talking about past lives. This is years and years ago. And he says, all my life, I have felt like something hit me. And he has two big moles, like my sister. And Bonnie, he talked once, or collaborated, and they believe, and I'm not saying no, but they both felt uh, Gettysburg. You know, 43, 50,000 people die within three days at Gettysburg. That's a lot of people coming back with moles. I might have had two steps on the field and got shot. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> because they had even teenagers get on those fields. How does that intrusion come into our lifetime? I, I think if it's a death like that, I don't know how, because a lot of young people were fighting for the North and the South. There are a lot of middle-aged and older people want to get and fight for the rights and da-da-da-da-da-da. We do that now. We watch TV and we shout and go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and we go this way, that way. But I've never been somebody, even though I was part of the hippie movement, I've never been one to take to the streets. Uh, am I afraid of bullets? I'm pretty daring. I know. I'm, you know, I've, I have even thought at one time of taking shooting. So it's, for some reason, getting shot in the middle of my chest, it didn't impact me this lifetime. But my sister had issues and my husband, he never talked about it, but he's always been aware of the pressure of something like he does this and he has two of them, two moles next to each other in the head above an ear. I find that very, very curious. I already shared this story. Um, those intrusions aren't serious. This one was, and I already shared it. In fact, Shar and I were talking about an event she had in Old Placerville between the oldest part and the newer part, right smack in the middle is a, a building that had a mine underneath. Remember this, Shar? And I talked about the young man. We had a group there, and I was talking to a whole group of people. And to my left was a mother and a teenage boy. And I looked at him. Remember, I don't make anything up. I'm just like, get the information. Your spirit tells me what to say. What makes me different than most people? My vision is clear, maybe, or I'm hearing better. Sometimes you don't know why some abilities are there. I uh, I got into this in 90. In 98, 1984, I predicted a murder that happened to my friend and the family that night. Kind of makes more questions like, ooh, that man was supposed to die? Was she supposed to be a, the aunt supposed to kill him? That's a big statement. Sometimes I don't like that. 
but it did happen and it happened the way it's supposed to. My father also knew of his own death. This young man, all of a sudden I looked at him and every time I think of it, I go in, in the belly of the ship where all the cargo is. All of a sudden, remember, if you're intuitive, look at me and try to pick up what I'm seeing. I'm in a darkened place and I can see, so I can't figure out what that means, but I'm in the water up to my chest and my hands are up, stopping the, bub the bobbing of big boxes and they're wooden. And I know I'm going to die and I'm fighting it. It's almost like bumping up. Now I'm up to the ceiling of the inside of the ship and I'm bouncing like this and that's all. And I talked to him about this. I says, in this lifetime, if you told me you don't like water and confined places, I'll understand that because I want to tell you what I just picked up. And I told her, the young man, and the mother jumped up. <gasps> and she says, I can never get him to take a shower. But let me tell you, he's an Olympic trainer. He's training in the Olympic sized pools. He can do that but I can't get him in the shower because of water and the confinement of a shower. So I looked at him and I said, your spirit wanted me to tell you this. You can now let that fear go because it was a prior life and it's where, not where you are now. I said, let it go. He kind of sat up. I remember him thin little, just a little per, not a little person. He was a teenager, but on the brink of being a man and, and bodybuild, he was a swimmer. So he wasn't like scrawny. He was a nice looking young man. But I noticed his, he was adjusting in the seat. He had a blue shirt on and pants. Um, no beard to myself. Of course, he's a teenager, but later 10. And I, if you ever see, hears this or someone in his family knows this, I'd like to know how these things that I, I'm not forced to bring up, but are brought up and I'm meant to talk about it. I wonder how that affects their thinking past life why in the world would i bring up something as obscure as drowning in a boat and confinement in a shower there's something there and so it might have been crippling to him not to be able to figure that out but you know he's a young man he might want to grow up get married have a shower <laughs> like how was he going to do that um sit in a tub you know um a hot tub would, would he be able to do that so it, it always interests me if someone has past life and that has come up. And what about the belief of survival and the choice to come back? That was hard for me to figure out too. I didn't accept the first time I had a past life regression because I wasn't into this, but I was curious. I was part of an Edgar Casey support, um, not support group, Edgar Casey group, uh, Madison Avenue and Sunrise Boulevard. There was a group there. So if anybody was part of that group, let me know. It'd be fun to know if it's still in existence. I have a question. Yeah. When you die and you do come back, do you have a choice of who you come back into? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Situational. Edgar Casey believe, and I do believe this, that the same groups of people envision a, a trunk of a tree and we'll just pick up the first branch coming off. And mm -hmm. on that brand, main branch coming off the trunk are a lot of little spigots of leaves going out. That could be a soul group, but within each of the clusters, could be families and we could change places all around the world. Um, I've seen myself in different cultures. Uh, one of my good friends, Sue, um, I talk about her and I will have a book about her, the death of her son killed by drunk driver. Um, we were talking one day and I saw her as a Japanese woman with the cummerbund um, in the front and all 
she was absolutely stunning in that period of time when the better, the more wealthy women wore all the silks and she was um, coming off a path and it was going down and it was either dusk, um, probably dusk. I doubt it was in the first thing in the morning and she's coming down little tiny footsteps on those little wooden things they used to wear 300 years ago. And up from the back of her was someone who was waiting for her with a rock and just hit her in the head. And when I said it, I was like, ah, caught me my breath. I went, oh my God, you died. Mm -hmm. And and of course you get hit with a big rock that a man can hold. You're going to die. <laughs> because the minute I felt that rock, I felt that rock, I blacked out. And she sat back and she's, oh my God. I love Japanese furniture. I hate Japanese men. And I go, well, now you know where that comes from. And I said, it wasn't a young man. She says, no, that was my father. And he forbade me from seeing my boyfriend. And he wasn't of our group. Like they have a caste system or something in China, but they might've had something in federal, um, <laughs> in old Japan. I think they did. You didn't mix the wealthy with the street people and vice versa. And I think she fell in love with someone on the staff. He wasn't poor, but he wasn't approved. Right. And I imagine the father didn't get, you know, caught. She, she was a victim of somebody else. Um, it was interesting when she got hit by the rock, my vision of that time disappeared. It was like on, ended quick. Hmm. I thought that was curious, but I suspect it was her consciousness that wanted me to, tell her this but her conscience wouldn't let me see what happened to her body my my head tells me she probably fell forward and then over the edge but how mm -hmm. far was that edge mm -hmm. or did the father say okay we're gonna pick her up and put her in the dirt somewhere mm -hmm. so that was a past life intrusion where she loved the japanese furniture but not the men and she was very brass about it oh i was <laughs> i don't like that okay I, and I also have had a, a life in Japan, but I have no memory of it other than I feel drawn to go there. What does that mean? You know, so here I am in America with a life somewhere else and I feel drawn to go there. But why? Who knows? But she was there and she has memories. Now, I want to tell you something. This is also cu very curious. So what I'm speaking to is my experiences. Everybody I'm not talking about because I have no other reference. But I want you to know that everything I talk about Mostly stories, I have audio tapes. I have kept thousands of them. And the stories I have told to other people of my own. So it's been 20 years. And a friend of mine from work, in fact, the same girl I told of the murder, mm -hmm. we took a trip to Las Vegas. We girlfriends were gone. You know, let's do three days, right? <laughs> it was fun. So the first, and I told you this, I don't know if it was on the air or another show, but she wanted to go in the Luxor. Someone was volunteering that. And so we went in and to the left and going up was the escalator and the trinket was to the left. And I went in there and I had no preconceived idea. Oh, let's just go. Let's go into look at the trinkets. And to my left far wall was the unk. And that is a cross with a loop at the top representing the one belief system by Tutankhamun's father. I tell you, it wasn't a walk. It was a half 
walk, run to that. And that's not necessarily, that's a memory of a past life. But since then, I seem, I've had flashes of myself as a woman dressed in white. Um, I certainly wasn't anybody important because I know staff were white. I have right. a collar and I'm walking down like five steps at an angle because at the other side, I see more columns and they're decorated. Everything was white. The columns were colored where the columns where I was, wasn't colored as pretty. So I think I was going to go across this open area up five steps into this other place. And it's just a flash. I'm, I'm walking down these steps. Can you imagine looking down and seeing steps? You look up. I'm looking down and see what I'm wearing. I suspect Tutankhamun's father, when he opened up that city and had it built to the, the belief of one God, I was part of that because the unk was so important. I had to have it. was curious. I brought it back and I've had it on my wall. I had my wall for 10 years and it just rusted out. But I couldn't get rid of it. Uh, about six years ago, I had a vision of, um, please, everybody don't have past life questions anymore. They just flash. <laughs> I haven't done this every day for 32 years. Let me think about the practice. It, you know, I saw myself as a man in France when they wore bellowisk silky pants. And I looked down and my shoes are pointed. And I'm in a, um, an area that's a kind of a banquet hall, kind of a bigger area. And I hear the piano. And I'm looking down at my shoes and the floor is beautifully decorated. And I have these blue silky pants on. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is cute. Of course, I'm part of Marie Antoinette's court, right? <laughs> let's, let's get that real straight. I'm probably not going to be in a good mood in a few weeks. But I'm there. And then I saw... Um, uh, I think it was a show on TV or something. I think it's one of those travel shows and it was a square building, like four stories and the roof line had the windows that pop out, but oh. the roof was flat, not peaked. Oh my God, I had a heart attack. Well, guess what I did into doing? I couldn't handle not having French furniture. I, <laughs> I bought French furniture, way too much money, but it was a compulsion. That was an intrusion unfinished business, unfinished life. It's almost like I had to bring that era back to me. If you know me very well, I have a lot of color, a lot of beautiful things around me. I'm not really dainty. I mean, I'm feminine, I like beautiful things, but French furniture, you know, that's pretty, pretty delicate, um, very beautiful stuff. And uh, I haven't got my use of for the money I pay for it. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing I was wondering um, with this past life infusion thing. You see families, like, for example, my family. Oh, my yeah, mom, right? Besides that, my mom and dad love tomatoes. Okay. And they could never understand why I would never eat tomatoes. Oh, that's curious. Did you figure that out? Yeah, I finally figured out it had to be something in the past life because there's no other explanation. It's just, I never liked the taste of tomatoes. My mom and dad would sit there and eat them, eat them like people eat apples. I, we had a garden. My first husband and I was um, everything you can plant in a garden. And curious, that was interesting. Uh, you were talking to me or something about eating onions pulled out of the ground, the big red ones. I'd eat it like an apple. Um, tomatoes were actually looked at as a fruit. And a lot of societies were not allowed to have tomatoes. So you might have seen that as you can't have. Mm -hmm. Possibly. There are, there are certain foods and growing up through the years, 
there's certain foods that I just will not eat. Yeah. Like watermelon. I don't like any kind of melons. Oh, that's curious. You know, I don't do tomato. I don't, you know, there's just certain things. And that's why I, I, I just got to thinking that it was probably something from a past life. We could always do another life regression. I mean, I'm up to it. I'm up to it. Now, can we get to my notes? <laughs> well, I just thought that, I mean, for people out there that, that have families and stuff, and may, maybe there's stuff that didn't add up, you know, between your your siblings and your mother, mother and father. I, I agree. I agree. Um, that's curious. I've not thought a lot about food and the compulsion, but why not chefs? They feel compelled to be a chef to cook. Right. I I've never had that. Uh, other things, but never wanted. I've never been a cook, never have I had the interest. But my mother was not healthy. Um, a lot of stomach trouble. So we ate very plainly. So I never had that upbringing where there was good food around. Mm -hmm. Subsequently, <laughs> my kids hate my cooking. They grew up and they won't eat fish because I cooked it in the microwave. <laughs> okay, kids, you hear me say that, you'll have a good laugh. Well, we did talk about um, talking to Sue and the past life aggression. That was the first thing on my list. Um, child memories, compulsion. I'm talking to the one that everybody see on TV, but the young boy named James who drew pictures of fighter planes ditching into the ocean outside Japan. In fact, he was so um, compelled, it bothered the parents. In fact, he, he could not do anything unless he had model plane, wooden plane, man of wood, paper, and everything was crashing, everything was burning. Uh, he started talking about a little man ditching the ocean, can't get out, can't get out. And it was very, when I watched the documentary on this young man, I got very stressed for him in that period because can you imagine seeing yourself die and you're only five years old mm -hmm. and believing, he says, I'm James three, James three, James three. And uh, so when the father started collecting what the boy was saying, the name of the ship that he, pardon me, the, in that, the type of airplane was, and of course, I don't remember what it was, and the kind of ship that was in the ocean that he took off the plane, because he said he was in the ocean and the plane flew off the ship. So he found about um, that group of people were having a reunion, like 50 year reunion, whatever it was. And they took this young boy and the young boy was able to identify his best friends. And they st spoke of a young man that ditched into the ocean. He was named James. And so, they put two and together and they were able to find that James sister. And when he saw the sister, he knew about her. He knew of her. He knew about things he shouldn't have known. That to me is unfinished business, not necessarily for him, but the sister. Like he had to have that link. So sometimes we think it's, and I don't like that he suffered. I think the parents had to, experienced this also because our belief system was not of we have past lives we're going to come forward and how did and why did he meet up with these particular people when they didn't have the police system or was it the father was i think he was a police person he knew investigative services type of thing he was able to research and bring it together in the 90s mid 90s i don't think we had good computers everything mm -hmm. was you know not until the late 90s so I think it was the late 90s. Maybe they did. Because this young man clearly is probably near 20 now or, or more. Mm -hmm. I might even have the wrong decade. Anybody, I'm always willing to take a, a hit if I get the wrong decade. 
but they were able to get to the sister and have closure. And then they found out where the young man, James had ditched in the ocean and they took the young man in a boat and played reefs so that he could let go of that life. And the mother said, we need to let that life go. You don't have to live it anymore. We found out who you were. I get so emotional with little kids and stories like this. I can almost can't handle it. Um, why? Because I deal with it all the time and people get very emotional and angry. Is that what this is about? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's just really hard. Um, there's another one that always, that captured me a lot of stories. There's a great one in Ireland or Scotland where this young boy knew exactly where he lived and they never took him to that island. They took him to the island and was able to find the house. The one that really got my, my notes here, got really got my attention. I really had to think about it is um, Jeffrey Long. He went to India and he captured 3,000 stories approximate. And one of the stories he captured and wrote about and I heard about it was a young man who believed that he lived in the village next to where he was raised by his parents, being raised, being raised. And they couldn't, after a while, I mean, the parents were going crazy. So they packed up and they made a trip to the village and he was able to find the house he lived in. And what's surprising, he recognized his parents. He was given all kinds of things. And he walked outdoors and he says, uh, I know where I'm buried. And they found his body. But what was interesting, he knew the man who had killed him and that it was done by a hatchet and he found the hatchet. And I don't remember anybody write it in. Was he not even 10 years old yet? Yeah, Seven, I eight. Was. Yeah, I don't think yeah, he was. He was no, too no. young. And the man who killed him admitted to the murder. Wow. I mean, come on, right? The other thing that's curious is I entertain a group of people in my, I lived in um, the greater Sunrise, Roseville area, Sunrise, Kirby, Foothills, um, kind of area. And so I entertained a lot of people um, 20, 25 years ago in the area. And I was entertaining a group of ladies that come in with their families. Like, oh, this woman's strange. You want to hear her? Because <laughs> I was always, you know, what is she? What is she? Look, entertain us, you know, okay. And um, I went in there and the youngest teen, um, daughter, granddaughter to the woman I was talking to, I looked at her and I got all this information. I went, wow. And I turned to the lady who was hosting this event. She was a, a very dark-haired, um, middle-aged lady, old enough to have grandchildren. And I'm going to always be careful how I word that. I don't know how old she was, right. but she wasn't 30, 40, maybe even 50, because she had a granddaughter, 11, 12, 13 years old. And I talked to the woman. I said, I'm going to tell you something that's kind of odd. I looked at your granddaughter. She was really dark brown hair, and so did grandma. And her spirit said to me that she was your father and a past life. And this woman started laughing, oh no. And she turned to her girlfriend. She says, oh my God, Nancy. The first thing Nancy talked about was my granddaughter being my father. Well, they had talked about this before I even showed up. They've been talking about it for years. Like this little girl had all the manners and she had memories. The ultimate test, bring Nancy in. <laughs> we'll see if she can get this. Well, the first thing I picked up, you know, I'm just a sponge. I mean, people think, oh, I'm the one that creates the ideas. I get it. I get it. No, not really. Spirit people tell me they know I'm going to show up or they tell me where to go or they tell the people. I'm just a tool. No big deal. There's a lot of us out there that never pursued this. And I think that we all should do it. There's a point where <laughs> my husband and I and my daughter, we can think something and I'll pick up the phone and call 
or we're kind of like telepathy now after all these years. I want everybody to be that. No lies, no bragging. You tell me the truth. And people call me and spend money on me. They always tell me the truth. You know why? I can sift through it. And then, you know, I'm not going to tell you, but I don't know you lied to me <laughs> because you really don't want to know the truth. I don't know sometimes why people argue with me. Really? You want to argue with me? Hmm. Why not enjoy this and just release and let me get what I'm supposed to tell you today? And of course they direct the questions, but sometimes I get more. And what does a psychic do? It gets more. Hmm. I have to weave it in very carefully because if I don't, I'll never let it go. Right. And hear that? Cause that's my last story. So we got to get going on this here. Okay. Uh, oh, India, the death one. How about love at first sight? How many of you fell in love with somebody who didn't like him? Ooh, he's obnoxious, but my soul disconnected. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. How about that love where you can't get apart? Well, I mentioned earlier, the first time I met Sue and her son, Jason, who got killed by the drunk driver that we talked about, she was a Japanese lady. I told the story, but I'll recapture it for new listeners. <clears throat> it was an all day thing. Downtown Sacramento, children's, <sighs> network. It was a cancer support thing, kind of fundraiser. Anyway, very early in the day, because now I can't remember what time she saw me. It's been a lot of time. I got the plaque somewhere, you know, how you look at things. And anyway, this lady, blonde lady, petite, uh, very charming, probably 40, uh, that age group. And I saw her sit down and I was overwhelmed by the presence of another spirit overlaid was weird and I go ooh, what is this and when I put my mind I call my mind when I blended with her to try to see this I got this action never let me go that is not the same as confining controlling I need you I want you this was frosted purple wow 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 long-term married and what I heard forever as forever. I went, oops, oops, goosebumps. Oh, goosebumps again. <laughs> These things get to me. Soulmate. You know, in 32 years, I've had three of them. Really? What about the rest of us? I thought I had soulmate connection. It wasn't meant to be, but they were. And so there's a difference. And people say, Am I in that situation? I says, honey, sometimes it's not meant to be known because if you're really a true soulmate, what's the obligation? What if there is a soulmate connecting, but you have personalities that's not meant to happen? How many of us are in those situations? How many of us have gone somewhere? And this happened to me once married. I'm very loyal to the death loyal. Went somewhere and my lies locked on to another man. And I felt that pull of past life. I went, <gasps> I didn't want to talk to the person. And he was a speaker. I went, oh, no, no, no. That's a past life. We were connected. It was odd. But not in this lifetime. Well, do it next time. I remember in high school, um, I seen, because I was, I seemed to always have the boyfriend type of thing. And I, I had a boyfriend, a couple in high school. But there was a, a guy named, uh, I think it was a Bob or Bill or something. And for years and years, I felt him. 
And later on, he wrote me a note and he says, this is who I am and I've always liked you. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. That's curious. I'll say curious because I always felt him. And now I wonder if that was a past life commitment to connect again, just to say hi. A lady called me once and she said, I feel so soul connected to my brother, but I don't like him. Never liked him all through the time growing up. I got married. I wouldn't let my, our family move far away. I had to watch him, watch him. And he had a terrible life. Uh, and of course, what I got was a soulmate. We don't have to be married to our soulmate. We have to come back. We make an agreement. Oh, you're going to have a bad life. Would you like me to witness it to see if you get out of it? Okay, let me go and I'll be the sister and I'll witness your lifetime. And the next lifetime, they come back as a couple. It doesn't have to be a lover. It could be best friends. It could be brother and sister. We do have soulmate commitments. Um, okay, so that's another intrusion where you want to separate yourself from somebody. But if you have the soulmate agreement, and sometimes that's so strong, it's almost like a love relationship because you can't pull yourself away from it. Now, this is all coming together for the last story, everybody. And of course, we talked about animals and other things. So I'm kind of like chugging along. So if you want me to talk about it more in another show, let me know. Um, how many of you have relationships with people and you feel like you're in the wrong body with that relationship? Okay. So in this lifetime, I've come in with a male soul, um, heterosexual, love men, <laughs> especially after my husband's aftershave, like, <laughs> and then not me, but how many of you said, I feel masculine, but my husband feels feminine. Well, guess what relationship you had last time? The, not an intrusion. It's a bleed through of, of different bodies to experience what it's like to be in that sex, in that same relationship with someone who's supporting you, are you supporting them? I do feel like I've, most of my lives were men, um, sportsy, masculine, um, things that I, I love, I'm terrible. I love a house that's clean, but I don't like cleaning, kind of strange. Um, I don't like to cook because I don't like the mess. So there's some contradictions, but is that way most men think? I don't know. That's kind of curious, right? Um, so I wanted to talk about that's not a bad thing, but that's a bleed through. It's not an intrusion. Okay, for the last story, because these were hit and misses, I wanted to kind of close this down an hour. I'm not going to make it, so hang on for a few more minutes. This gal, I cannot say her name, but when it was the story was over, the reading was just um, a little more than 10 days ago. And this gal I talked to um, over 21 years ago, she came to me a couple of times. And this young woman has had a difficult life. Um, I can't tell more, but she was a widow. Um, and she had had a couple of relationships that didn't work out. And she had five children. Uh, at that time, she talked to me. I vaguely remember, anybody knows where, where I lived on Zebel and Citrus off of Fair Oaks? I was flipping homes to make extra money when it wasn't popular on TV. But this was one of those cute little houses with a white picket fence in front. It was darling. And I remember her coming there to talk to me. That's when people came to people's homes. And I, the sympathy was there. I'm unfortunate. We don't know what kind of pre-life agreement those young men were to come in and have children with her and then step Oh. 
<laughs> then step out. Yeah, I have a big black cat near. Oh, there he is. <laughs> the big one. The one that sounds like Siamese. And she said to me 20, a little more than 21 years ago, you told me. <laughs> she said. <laughs> I'm sorry. The timing was perfect. Sorry. I know it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is the big cat. <laughs> Like a dog, big. <laughs> he's, he's very rude. He's awful rude. I'm going to tell this story, everybody. So 21 years ago. Now, she's of a culture and prefers her culture. Okay. And that's not bad. I can see coloring on people. Um, I imagine if someone saw me in a psychic vision, they'd go, when I was younger, I was a little darker. What culture is she? Well, American Indian. But in my line, I have Portuguese. So, you know. Where is that coming from with that darkness? But anyway, um, she's of a culture that prefers her own culture. And that's okay. And I can see that a lot of cultures are that way, right? So I proceed to tell her that a man was going to come in life that was very, very important. A tall, six-foot, blonde, blue-eyed, Caucasian. Very light. And she sat back like I'd hit her with a stick. <laughs> oh, no, that won't work. I like a dark man. I like... I'm 5'7", though I like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, I like a hug, you know, not a tall, skinny white man. <laughs> I go, okay. Guess what? She goes to her friends and says, oh, Nancy just really blew it. You know, she was good on this other stuff. 21 years later, she calls me up. She says, um, something's happened. And I did tell the girls that I told that you were wrong, that you were right. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I need to set up a time and talk to you. I said, okay. Guess who showed up? A tall, blue-eyed, blonde to silver-haired white man. And thin. And she said, it went on to say, he, I said, so important that I could not, not tell you 21 years ago. She had other relationships that didn't work out in those 21 years. Curious. So this man is everything she doesn't care for in a partner, hmm. everything. And she says, I cannot get away from him. I'm so drawn to him. And so I did record it. I listened to it today. This is a clear, a past life intrusion. So here we go. I only received the information when she brought it up. I instantly saw him, I saw it here. I saw a past life. I was trying to juggle the information in a way that was acceptable to her. She wanted to share this tape with the man. So I worded in such a way, the first, I broke it down into three sections. And Shara did send this to you. Mm -hmm. a, a three sections, a pause, a section, and a pause, and a section. And each section got more depth, more um, wow kind of statements. So this is it. I saw the young, uh, this man. Um, in a time when uh, Greece, Rome, the Mediterranean, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, where the men wore togas, and it was wrapped around the middle and over one shoulder, and he was a blonde, tall, thin man then. So what culture? It's clearly not Italian, but maybe he was part of Greece, and they do have blondes, curly hair. He has curly hair, he has wavy hair, yet wavy curly hair there. And what's curious is there was gold on his clothing. And he was in love with his partner, her. 
And I took it to be a wife, though I never saw her. That when I picked up the piece of what was happening, I never saw children. But he was grieving the death of his partner. And here was a very sophisticated, very beautiful young man. Well, what in those years, what was what was young, what was middle age, right? And so approximately the same age. And I thought, wow, that lifetime is needing to happen again. And I was not rude to her, but when I'm on a thread, when you get, get me reading from me and you see me, you hear me just take off like this, I'm in time. And I remember quantum physics is involved. You do not have memories of this, but you have clicks and connections to past lives that are important. I find that I go in time. It's right here. It's right here. I'm not going centuries. I'm not backing up, going around the planet, the planet, the planet. We're talking quantum. And so I was living with this man in the past. The grieving, the upheaval was so intense that he killed himself. In this lifetime, this man is going through failures. Uh, the abuse of an older man, early career where he could have and should have excelled. Remember that lifetime he had gold on, so he was clearly upper class and he excelled. In this lifetime, he has so much potential that he was abused and he failed and he got, I know, sorry, <laughs> pay attention to me, that he got into, into drugs and things he shouldn't have done. And I says, in this life, if you told me that he is suicidal, that he's so unhappy, he doesn't know if he can survive. And she almost started crying. She says, oh my God, he talks about suicide all the time. It, it, what is the parameters of her job in this lifetime to help him? This is a clearest intrusion I have ever got. And I told her that. As a breath, I said, oh my God, this is the strongest intrusion I've ever had. This man found you. After 21 years, am I talking to you? You are meant to be in his life. And then I said, but you died in that life. If you were to come together and bring that love for however long, and point out to him that he doesn't have to fail, that he doesn't have to do suicide, then you've done your job. You cannot stay into the bitter end. It's your choice. Because I added, there's another man, and you're going to want him too. Does this man get fixed and leave and come back? If that's so, you will have met the dark man, and you're going to have to choose. You can even finish out that light that you did not have with this man, or you get to choose another one as a life partner. At what point was this intrusion so strong they had to find each other? He had to find the dead wife. But, but up to that point, he was failing his entire life all over again to death. She says, I, I want to get away, but I can't. I have to go back. I have to go back. And so when I explained that to her, it gave her a platform to be able to evaluate her role. I says, you've been introduced. You know who he is. You give him love and compassion. You're not a failure. You can succeed. He comes from a high tech environment. Mm -hmm. uh, he failed that. He had scraped his nose on the cement. I'm trying to keep the cat down from jumping on the table here. Um, yes, you. Um, and so you ask yourself, what is your obligation? Is it to give him your whole life or to just set him on the path to recover so he can choose a path healthy enough 
for this life experience. And what was not odd, but curious also, I say odd and curious a lot, everybody, interesting, is this was shown so clearly to me of a choice. She's going to have to make a choice to stay with him. She's going to have choice later on if he, when he came back, if he came back healthy, he would want her. But the other man would be here. So she has two major choices. How long should she stay here to the point of her breaking or finishing that commitment? And when she sees that he has struggled and survived and not wanted to kill himself, gosh, what? Another man, I gave her all this description just like 21 years ago when I described this man. This is one of the clearest past life intrusions I have ever read to the point when she was gasping, when I mentioned so. I could hear her and I said, please don't interrupt. I'm on a thread. Don't. And I was just spewing out all this information. And I, I think to myself, oh, everybody, now listen to this. How many relationships have you had where you desperately wanted them, but you didn't like them? Or there was a problem. You felt like you had to be there. Did you finish it? Did you correct it? Did you see your power? Did you know who you are that you wanted to leave? Mm -hmm. Did you outgrow that person because you felt like they were somebody that you thought you wouldn't couldn't grow with or vice versa did you meet somebody that you wanted to fix you did you fix you so you could have him or her goes both ways i had a couple i had a gentleman call me there in medford oregon and he was um i really liked this person but if i say his name what he did everybody would know so i can't do that and he was the situation was helping people but he had relationships that didn't go further because you help somebody because it makes you feel good when they recover. It's not the same relationship. So if this woman came to me and talked to me, I can't remember if she came to me. I think it was a zoom or something. And we were talking and she was absolutely Amazon. Beautiful. Just <laughs> tall, dark hair, just knock your eyes out. And um, I said, you're together for both of you to help heal because both of them I was talking to, I saw, not each other. The man wanted her. She came to me because she wanted him. They're only together to be healthy. So the past life, not intrusion, but I will help you because you're going to work so hard trying to keep a relationship together. And I said to the man, stop thinking that you need to fix everybody. You are done. Fix somebody emotionally healthy so that you stay emotionally healthy because these unhealthy people are bringing you down with the woman. You got to the place of admitting that maybe you don't know how to judge what's good for you, that you've grown into the person you want to be because she had under his direction. <laughs> if you hear me, either one of you, because he did move to the Bay Area, give me a call. Anyway, uh, I saw different people for both of them. And then he moved back to the Bay Area from Oregon. So what was my role to give them a description of the next person or to line them with this progress they've already made and don't fall into the trap. He's here for me to be the daughter. He's going to take care of me. But when she gets her power back from the activities they were doing together, right. she would become a different person. He wanted her to be the child so he could take care of her forever because he loved her based on that, but she was going to get better. And it wouldn't work because it was a pattern for him. So you have to look at the relationship and what you're getting out of it and being real clear what you're like. 
Um, and I already own this. My first husband and I dated four and a half years all through high school and the Catholic click, everybody, you know, that's like we all four, all five of us got married the day after two year college. All five of us got married June 17th, 67, because that's what kids did in those years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that any of us are married. You know why? Because we don't become adults until 25 to 30. Who are we? We don't know each other. Same principle with this couple. A lot of us are wounded forever by dynamics of childhood. Is that karmic? Is that past life? Absolutely. Could be. Do we pick situations so we have experiences to get to a situation that didn't fix last time? I love that topic. I love the idea of past life. The intrusions sometimes are so strong, it knocks us off our feet. Even though you could love somebody, uh, you may not get them. So this happened to me. I realized that this gentleman married somebody. I was dating him and he married his neighbor because she was in a divorce, throes of a divorce. Mm-hmm. She took care of his dying wife of brain cancer. She got divorced. She called him up knowing he hadn't got married, but she didn't know he was with me. And she says, my husband has now left me with three kids. I want you to marry me and help me raise these kids. And she, he did. So everybody's in this situation. You go outside, look at the stars. And if you can accept what I talk about, I don't want you to necessarily believe every word I'm saying because I'm only an instrument. Talk to the stars and say, if I cannot have this individual this lifetime or what we were to do, did we finish? If that's so, let us agree to come back and do it again. Release that energy off your back. You don't have to carry it with you. Heal. Because the next relationship may be the one you're supposed to have for this lifetime. Mm-hmm. All right. Question. Here's a question. Read that. Could the topic of water be considered intrusion from a past life? For example, memories of being surrounded by water. My sorority is represented by an anchor. The meaning of my name is from the sea. Oh, I love that. Um, I hope you were listening earlier. Uh, the young man drowning in a bo- belly of a big wooden ship. Absolutely. Water terrified him and closed in, in places. So inside of a shower, he couldn't do it because it was frightening to him. You're connecting to a sorority that had represented water in your name's water. There are no mistakes. You might have to take a ship, tugboat, sailboat. And play out something from your past. They're reminding you of something that's not complete. Absolutely. Or a love that you should enjoy again. And this is another thing. I was talking to somebody. Oh, the woman had had cancer. And she was worried she wasn't going to live. And this is the Northeast. So if you hear this, let me know. I'll give you a call. They, Anyway. And what I did was I went out 10 years. And I said, I see you with your husband on a sailboat and you're out in the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. And you are very beautiful. Again, she's a gorgeous woman. And I feel like you're going to live and be happy. And she mm-hmm. says, my husband just got a boat. I haven't been on it yet. But we've been on other boats. But the boat I described was one of those better ones. You know, the ones with the wood outside and it's a fast boat. Right. They have a lot of place to lay out. Use it like this. So sometimes I'll go out really far to try to show somebody. Um, and this is an interesting life too, because what I picked up when I first started talking to her, um, I felt like she was going to be a service. And um, 
And then unbeknownst when I told her that 15 years ago, I think it's been three years, she had a battle breast cancer. And I says, oh, God's talking to you, dear. You learn everything you can. Don't call it suffering. I don't like that because I suffered <laughs> too. But learn everything you can and bring hope to women afterward. Like part, and she really is embracing that. I never got into it. Um, I do this instead. It could be positive intrusion, a negative intrusion, an overwhelming intrusion, a takeover intrusion, a fear of water intrusion, absolutely, or, or a gift of water. Pursue it to be happy. Maybe you're supposed to live by the emotion, or maybe the sorority was supposed to give you information. Now, I know how old you are, so it's been a while. So did you get something from that sorority that reminds you of the ocean? Did you pursue sailing? Did you go to the ocean? Be curious to know. All right, was there anything else? Any uh, other questions? That's it. Quiet group. Okay, this was really fun. I hope I answered most of the questions. You know, we did talk about other things, but it's been an hour and I try to keep it to an hour. I don't know. You know, this is very interesting. I hope I said enough that you enjoyed it, everybody. All right. I did, I did not talk about parenting. I want to mention real quick. How many of you have a favorite child? Don't tell me you don't. <laughs> A lot of mothers will talk to me and go, well, I've had five children. The last one's my favorite. A lot of times it's the fast, last one is your favorite because it's the baby. But there are times when people talk to me, I have a difficult time communicating with this child. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be. It means that a child could be independent. I sometimes wonder if my kids came to me through me with my husband because of the, the biological. So my husband was into biology and my daughter is a nurse. I am of engineering artistic direction and my son is an aeronautical engineer. How's that? And so I find those kinds of things, but there are families where the chemistry is so off of a child. And when I, this is interesting, when I see a child that's yet to be born, it can either circle the mother or the father, whichever parent has a karmic connecting to, that parent will say, if it's a man say, you know, I want to get married. I want to have children. If it's a woman, the feeling of nurturing, make a nest. And before a year to two years up, they'll be getting pregnant. I find that very interesting. The ones you have connection with isn't always the most pleasant relationship. It's the one with the most work. The ones that you get along very well with, then you were partners and friends of past life, but not necessarily a working relationship then. Just enjoyment. I just want to bring that up because it's something I did want to talk about. Okay, now we're done. All right. Reminder, you guys. Sunday I'll be reading. We'll probably be starting a new book, too, because I think I'm going to finish that book off. Monday, be sure to be here. 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Killer bee guy's coming on. And he's going to be talking about the, uh, the, the those Africanized bees that we've all been hearing about over the years. Because, thank you. They're moving. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. Get up there. Come on, get up there. They're moving our way. He, um, from what I'm seeing on on his his uh, lives, is that they're all in the the lower 48 states. I heard they started um, in Texas, and they have been moved to Arizona. I think, right? Yeah, they're in Arizona now. They're in Illinois. They're in Ohio. Ooh, there's some in Canada now. My husband's allergic to bees. I hope they stay away. Oh, Are they know. warm? Are they warm or cold bee? It doesn't but matter. 
so they're both climate. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't matter because you know normally <sighs> even will go away when it gets cold. These don't do that. Smoke doesn't affect them. Ooh, these are hybrids that you know that you need a slingshot with a rock in it. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. Because yeah. he, he he gets them in a unique way that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, Jer um, yeah. Jerry, they're Africanized. So this is the guy that does it. He he's he's been on Discovery Channel. I love him. it. He's out every day. Now I'm not. We may end up going live with him in the field because he gets called. He gets calls all the time. He's on call constantly. Mm. So we're going live with him out in the field with these things. And I want. To, I, I I found him on TikTok, and the guy is just. It's incredible. When oh, they I like that story. That's really good. Stuff. Incredible. And so he'll he'll be talking about these Africanized bees. Because they are moving across. There's, there's none in. Um, there's none in England yet. Oh, that's interesting. They well, they, they, they originated did. in, um, not Belgium. I'm <laughs> <laughs> fine. South America. We'll just leave it at that. They originated in South America, and then then in the fifties, and got and they got loose, and they've worked their way up. Who uh, who bred these large? Some scientists, because they were trying to make a better honeybee. Hmm. So I like to have talk with him. And I, so I've heard people dying from the stings. Well, that's the thing. That's why we're going to talk about that Monday because there was a gentleman in, I think it was in Ohio or Illinois, just recently was trimming somebody's tree, and I, he came across a, a, a you know, a, a honeycomb, and they all attacked him. He got stung like a thousand times. There was also someone in Texas. That's when I first heard about about three or four years ago, and a guy had come across it and they stung him to death. Yeah, that's it. I can't imagine. Well, what they're telling me, if I remember right, what he said was 500 of these stings equal to a rattlesnake bite. Well, that's pretty profound. I think it's painful. I think that you go into shock. But it's, frightening. it's really frightening. Like he says, if you if you get if you get into water like you do with a regular bee, it doesn't matter because they'll hover over the water and wait for you to surface <laughs> and then go out and then they'll keep going after you. Oh, my gosh. Thousands and thousands. So it's going to be an interesting talk. I'm going to grab some photos from his website and stuff. And so you can see, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between an Africanized one and a regular honeybee. Oh, my God. But they oh, wait a minute. I thought they were a lot bigger, like an inch and a half long. I don't know. I'll have to, have to find that out. But I know that they. the thing is, the problem you have is that, from what he says, the problem you have with this is that they breed easily with the domestic honeybee. Oh, so if they do breed, they can change their size because I yeah, thought that's, the why, just... that's why they're spreading like they are because mm -hmm. uh, a queen bee will breed, um, like he says, ten to twenty, ten to you know, late ten to twenty thousand eggs. Like wow, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, that's just awful. Yeah, so I'll let him tell you the details, but it's yeah. scary. It's really scary. And I think they are in California. There's, I've heard some cases down in Los Angeles. You know, where I they think are. the most southern part of California. Um, yeah. And the other thing he says too is that if you have people in your neighborhood who have hives, like let's say I have a, let's say I'm having a problem here at my house, and there's a guy like five doors down that has a hive. Okay. He's doing honey. Uh -huh. And then there's another guy, say a couple blocks away, doing that, doing honey too. And let's say the African bees are like with those places too, and they don't realize them. Mm -hmm. Well, the bees I have go on attack to attack me, even though the other bees don't get along with, with the bees at my house. Yeah. Because the pheromone that those bees let out when they're when they're after you, the other bees will come too. 
oh, fudge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Halloween nightmares, more nightmares, killer bees. So oh, this is Halloween stuff for sure. Yeah, that's I, what we're gonna do Monday. We're gonna be talking to killer bee guy. Almost have to set him on fire, I would think. He has a yeah. unique way of yeah, yeah, that's one way, but he has a unique way of doing it that you never would expect. I, I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing that. I don't yeah, want to yeah. guess, but it just popped into my head. Yeah, yeah. On fire. So we'll either be like this, talking to him, or he's going to be out doing He'll He'll be have his phone, and he's going to be doing this thing and talking to us. That's always fun to do a field. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Every time you talk about Arizona, I think, God, Nancy, you, ne you never had a killer bee come after you. No, no. I was in the desert, too, where they, yeah. I was one are. of these people that my parents used to get so furious because some kind of pheromone in my, my blood or something because we could be picnicking somewhere where there's not one bee around for miles. And all of a sudden, here, these bees would come. And we'd have to get in the car. And my dad I've heard of that. Angry. Blood type also. Yeah, not um, so much when I was older, but when I was young. Um, I doesn't matter where I go. Even if I don't have the smelly stuff that women put on, I'm just covered with mosquitoes. I am just amazed yeah, how they find me. It's just the blood. I, yeah. It's the blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not like that now as an adult with the bees. I get along good with them. I mean, they're all over my lemon tree. Hopefully, well, I know they're the good ones. I wouldn't be here. But <laughs> but um, I know one day I was walking. In fact, the funny thing, the exterminator was here, you know, spraying around the house. And I happened to go out to my car to, to get something on my car. And I got a wasp right in the side of my head. Got me. You know? So, yeah. So it's, it's terrifying. And I don't yeah. want to scare everybody to death with this, but... They are making their way across, you know, and it's, it's something people have to watch out for. That'd be a good question for you to ask. We in the field, what would we need to do to keep ourselves if we find one of these in the backyard? Right. Or to say, have bees not come to us. Exactly. Self-defense, so he does it in the greater amounts and does whatever. What about me, you know, in my backyard? Well, that's the thing. It's really hard. Like, they kill people's dogs, you know, when they let their dogs out in the yard. That yeah. kind of thing. Because you don't know what kind of hive it is. Because, I mean, beehives, beehives. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So my husband's no allergic to bees. He has to have one of those pins with him. Yeah, you have no idea what's hanging in the trees, yeah, you know? Yeah, Until you walk by and they get pissed off. So, I mean. Great. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, join me at 6.30 here for some fun Monday because we're all going to have nightmares afterwards. He's a really okay. cool guy, you know? So we'll be doing that Monday. <laughs> So everybody get your popcorn and all that stuff because we're you know we're gonna have fingernail chomp and stuff coming up. <laughs> fingernail chompy. <laughs> and I know you do eat popcorn. I have dental work done, so I can't eat the popcorn, but I'll I'll think of you and smell the popcorn. That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So that's where that's that's what's happening the next couple of days. So we are going to uh, be doing our reading and every our usual book reading on Sunday, and then. Monday will be the Africanized bees, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun night. It's gonna be a fun night. I want to mention that uh, Shar and I've talked, and um, the next show next Friday night, kind of talked to several. I want to talk about how to manifest what you want yes. in your life. Yes. And I have a few people in my life. It's amazing what they can do. Now, if I say to somebody, I see money in your life. Don't assume you're going to win the lotto. And I say to people, I'm not greedy. I just want a little bit. You know, it's like whatever I'm supposed to have for my life for my higher and greater good. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to do. But I want to teach you what it feels like. 
and we're going to talk about how to manifest in your life. And I'll give you a couple of stories of people. Amazing, amazing stories. Okay, everybody, I've loved this. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. And uh, those of the meetup group that I sent emails out, I hope, let me know who came. That'd be fun. And I know there's a couple of gals in Citrusites Fair Oaks that asked me to come back and teach, but not now, not for a while. We're good okay. now. We'll get it. We're getting together. We're working stuff out right now. Yeah. Like with my ghost team, we're getting that put back together and get rolling with that, you know, after my sabbatical and things are going to start revving up now. You'll get to hear about our investigations too. Once we start doing investigations, I'll get to tell you guys all about our investigations. Well, we're also going to open the door up to possibly doing UFO investigations. Yeah, UFO investigations. There's a totally different dynamic there. And it's sometimes a little nicer environment. <laughs> Yeah, the time that we went to Ion to the boys reformatory, really I got there yeah. and she brought me. I stayed the night in town. We got there and I got really sick. It's almost like someone putting their hands of energy on me and I was like frozen. I couldn't go in. And I told her someone's going to get hurt in there. I'm told not to get in. I know people were disappointed. Um, it was terrible. It was really hard. And during the investigation, the other psychic fell through the floor. Yes. on the second floor yes, we've had a couple, yeah. and that's what i was picking up and sometimes we don't know what we're picking up but i had such a sense well it'd be fun to see if we get somebody that says ah ufos talking to me you know get that flashlight make sure it's not an airplane because they come down and arrest arrest you you can't put a right. flashlight in the air and blind a pilot Ooh, i don't even think about that yeah, it, it might be fun this next year uh oh, and I here, do here, here, here's what jerry says jerry says I'm all for the ET investigations. There you go. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's my team. Yeah, I love it. It's good for you, Jerry. Team. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting my RV ready so I can come shoot, uh, Come on down the hill here. There you go. So uh, we'll look to connect and send us notes through California Haunts Radio. I'm yeah. sure. That, and my website is mynamecom and California Haunts for sure. Let us know what you want. Okay, everybody. Okay, good night. Let all me right. go. And I'll let me go get the sign off stuff. <laughs> you'll, you'll be seeing Nancy's ad running again next week too. I'm making ma making improvements on it. Oh, that's right. Nancy's my victim. <laughs> Not really. So, when I'm practicing making these that's ads, so I can show like potential clients. It's going to be Nancy's ad, so I got to you know be more fun. Anyway, if you want to find Nancy, here's how you do it. Website's nancymats.com, nancymatsauthor.com. YouTube.com forward slash Nancy Mass Psychic. And help get me out of this funk by Nancy Mass. <laughs> Two worlds developing your psychic skills, Nancy Mass. And last but not least, the unwilling sacrifice. And you can get those at Amazon.com. <laughs> I know. Yeah.
Okay. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming again. I will see you Sunday for uh, the last part of uh, our ant- our haunted antiques book. I'm going to be ca- talking to Anna Maria to see if I can start her other book. We'll see. So uh, Sunday may be a short day. We'll see. But anyway, thank you guys for coming, and I'll see you on Sunday. Have a good weekend. Bye. Have a-